Welcome to the Midland Seventh-day Adventist Church. We hope our broadcast will bless you. It's now time for our scripture reading, so I invite you to turn in your Bible to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Happy Sabbath. Today, it's a special day because I'm going to talk about something that I've been wishing to talk for a long time. That is uh, about something that kind of uh, concerns me. We have this book, the Bible, and we have it for a long time. Some of us even take it for granted. And uh, the problem is that uh, it's a book that everybody has. I don't know if you guys know, you may know this, but in 1995, uh, the Guinness uh, World Records declared that uh, the Bible at the time was the number one best-selling book of all times, with over 5 billion copies sold and translated to over 350 uh, languages. And uh, some wonder how a book like that becomes so widespread, even though it was uh, written thousands and thousands of years ago. His, its message is still relevant for us today. And uh, the Bible still have today the same strength and the same impact that had when it was uh, originally written. And uh, that book is probably uh, one of the most influential books on history. And why? The Bible offers a roadmap. It gives us insights about the human story. And uh, it's like a user guide of sorts that help us to navigate through life. God's intent with scripture is to reveal uh, his uh, will and his wisdom to us so he can give us advice telling us uh, about his love and how we can use his love to live a better life, a life that honors him. The book, uh, the Bible is a book that's worth reading. And uh, today, uh, I want to share a few things that will make your reading of the book, your reading of the Bible, your moments of uh, uh, meditation in Scripture a little bit more fruitful. And uh, hopefully, you help you to hear God's voice a little better. But before we go there, let's uh, bow our heads and invite God to be your guide today. Dear Father in heaven, Thank you so much for the privilege that we have to come to your house to be with you today 
at your presence in a special way in your holy day to hear about scripture to hear about how we can uh, understand your message a little better how you can we can connect with you better and get more insights of what you want for us today and how uh, we can use this book to live lives that uh, praise your name. I ask you, dear Lord, deal with us today. Calm our minds as we go over scripture and what scripture talks about itself. Help us to learn how to read it better, how to uh, get in tune with your spirit and help us as we go to that journey today together. May we do it in a way that pleases you, in a way that honors you. Bless me as I share those words, guide my thoughts, guide my words and help me to convey the message you want to be preached today. That's what we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let me ask a question to you. Uh, how many of you, and I want your honesty, there's no right or wrong answer, but I want your honest answer. Every time you buy something, a TV, a new equipment, a new car, whatever, brand new, it always comes with a manual, a user guide. Do you read it? Who reads it? A few. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's what most of us do. We only read when we think, okay, that's too complicated for me, so let's read it. But most people, uh, they don't even uh, open the manual. Some just throw it out. And that's the same problem that most people have with the Bible. The vast majority of the human population today, of the, I think, 8 billion people, they just don't ever open this book. And uh, when they do, they open like us opening something ordinary. So they don't open trying to get the knowledge that they have. Like most people think, uh, just to pick on you, uh, Nathan, thank you. And uh, just to pick on you, Nathan, like most people, they think in life just like what Nathan said, like, oh, I don't need this Bible. I don't need this book to tell me what I need to do. I, I can't figure out life on my own. But uh, we can. Most people can survive without even open the Bible, but their lives could be much, much easier if they had that guidance and the wisdom that comes from the Bible. But uh, I hope that's not the case with the Bible with most of you. I hope most of you open the Bible every day and try to get God's wisdom from that. The problem is that there's a different category of people. Even among those Christians that, uh, that uh, open the Bible every day, sometimes they don't understand because... They bring their own uh, preconceived ideas, their own worldviews. Their own, like, they read with like 21st century glasses. And 
they don't get things uh, right. They get some benefit of it, but not out of it. Let me give you, let me share two stories that help uh, you to understand that. Like First story is like when I was learning how to drive. I learned how to drive on a 1967 Volkswagen Bug. Like uh, that was my uh, aunt's car. The same aunt that came like here last year with my mom. So uh, I learned how to drive with her car because she seldom used it. Uh, was always in the garage. She would, she most days she would go to her job by bus. So like was available. And like that was back on the day that the uh, police didn't really stop kids when they. So was a uh, way to have fun and she allowed me to so uh first thing that i did was like i read the manual like uh she still had the manual like my th- this aunt is like she saves everything and uh she still had the manual so i started to read the manual most things i understood like uh there's one thing that caught my attention was talking that uh was one phrase of the manual that said like this car was designed to use leaded gasoline. I didn't know any difference. Like, so, I, when I went on the gas station, that was back on the time that, like, people, the, at least in Brazil, like, uh, the, we still had on the gas stations both lead and unlead ga- uh, gasoline. And uh, they were really advertising the unleaded like because was better for the environment gives better performance on your car and whatever and uh was cheaper too so i was a broken broke kid so like uh not a lot of money to spend in gas so like whatever buck i could save and i ignored the manual because i really didn't understand like i thought if it in my in my head if that car was designed to use unleaded gasoline, that's like the, the one that's raw. Uh, well, if we put the, if we, I use the leaded one that has more additives and has stuff that makes the, the engine runs faster, will be better. That was my thinking. And I started to use it. Until like one day, the car was not really sparking right. He started to make those funny noises like uh, 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 like the exhaustor was like exploding. Like, and when it finally ran, it was running so slow. Like, and until like the apparently the gasoline I was using damaged the the engine uh it led to like some uh, leaks my aunt had like to redo the engine but the car was never the same the car like after that never could go over like uh 40 kilometers an hour that's what 25 miles 30 miles an hour give or take so like even if you put the gas out the way he would not go why because I read the manual. I thought I knew what I could do. 
but I use my own judgment instead of like uh, using the judgment of the manufacturer. And that's how a lot of people uh, approach the Bible. They come with their own ideas. They read certain things. Don't do that. Oh, but God is not saying really to not do that. He's talking about this. Like they bring their own agenda and they try to explain why God was trying to say that. And they don't allow the Bible to explain it by itself. There's another story that was a funny one. It was not with me. That I read in a book happened with another pastor years ago. He was a young pastor like, oh, oh, fight up for the Lord. He got in a church and he noticed that although uh, on his church we had a Bible behind each pew, the Bibles were old and falling apart. So, uh, he decided, let's change, let's bring new Bibles. And they brought new Bibles, but that almost split the church in half. And you know why? Like the new Bibles he bought was the New International Version. And like most of people in his congregation, like uh, wanted just the King James. They... They were in fights like member against member because of like, no, no, I, we need to have the King James. No, 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 NIV is better. Like, no, this, that. Like, they start to have those discussions. And then in a, they had a, a business meeting to decide, okay, what version are we going to use it? Like, uh, and then one uh, old lady, she was on her argument fighting for the King James and she got her... Uh, 1611 edition of the King James like if that Bible was good for Jesus it's good for me and uh, it's that was an interesting thought because in her mind the Bible she had on her hands was basically the same thing that Jesus used during his life even if she was thinking just on the Old Testament, that's kind of logical because uh, the Bible is not written in English. But uh, that story illustrates the point that sometimes we bring certain convictions as we approach Scripture. And we hold those convictions as absolute truth. And uh, those convictions become impediment for us to read and uh, use the Bible uh, appropriately so and many people spend their whole life with those ideas and they really cannot break the ceiling of unleash what the Bible wants to teach them uh, we need to, to understand how the Bible was written and uh, in order to really understand its meaning and in order to benefit for it, for it. I wish I had the, the time and I want to do a proposition with you. Like I really want to go with all the details of how the Bible was written, how to read the Bible. Today, I don't have the time. I don't have a three-hour sermon. But I'm going to propose something that I did with Mount Pleasant uh, already last year and was a blessing to them. Uh, I'm going to do this sermon today. But like uh, on the beginning of Sabbath school, for 15 minutes, every Sabbath I'm here, I have prepared like a 15-minute lesson that 
gets us a step closer in how to read the Bible better. Is that something that you guys would be interested to do? I want to show, see hands, like who would, okay, so next time I'm here in uh, 15 days, for the first 15 minutes of Sabbath school, uh, we're going to meet here, and we're going to have a, another lesson of how to read the Bible, like, uh, and uh, why that's important, why cannot just open the Bible as it is and like do my own interpretation, because there's rules that the Bible itself brings about. Today, we're going to just see a few, so you have the, a taste of it. But before we go there, let's uh, first figure out what is the Bible. A lot of people, uh, they say that, uh, that the Bible is just like a collection of things, but what's the Bible really? Uh, I have a little vi two-minute video I'm going to show us gears of introduction and then we're going to go to the bible to see what she says about itself and how the bible recommends us to read the bible because the bible says so so let me get my computer hooked up here Stop it. And the audio is not. Uh, audio dictionary written to answer influential books of all time but exactly start again so the bible is one of the most influential books of all time but what is it exactly yeah some people treat the bible like a divine behavior manual that dropped out of heaven others use it like a theology dictionary written to answer all of our questions about god and others still Think of it like a grab bag of spiritual one-liners and inspiring stories. But here's the thing. The Bible isn't written as a rule book or theology dictionary or even as a collection of inspirational writings. Then what is the Bible? Well, open up the Bible to page one and read the opening words. In the beginning. Now, turn to the last chapter of the Bible where you can read this. And they reigned forever and ever. Okay, so the Bible's telling a story from beginning to end. Yeah, it's one epic narrative about how God has appointed humanity as his partners to oversee this amazing world. It's about how we've ruined that partnership and how God is restoring us and our world through Jesus. Okay, one story, but there's a lot going on. Many plots, many characters, all written in many different books. But once you see how every book has a careful literary design, you won't get lost. And you can see how it fits into the overall storyline. 
There are also important repeated themes that weave through the entire biblical story. Yeah, like the covenant that God makes with people. Or the hope for a human who will confront evil. Or how God's justice will one day make all things right. And every theme culminates in the story of Jesus. There are also a lot of strange words in the Bible. Words we don't use in normal language. But when we take time to understand them, we discover profound ideas that contribute to the overall biblical story. So, it takes work to know how to read the different types of literature in the Bible. But once you do learn how, you'll discover that the Bible is a work of literary genius that can transform how you live and how you think about everything. So, like the Bible, it's one unified story that starts on Genesis and finishes in Revelation. Talking about God's love, talking about how he relates with you and me, and uh, narrating his attempt to get humanity from our falling state to, uh, the, to restore us to the state he created us to live originally. So, and with uh, that in mind, there's different types of literature that are present on the Bible. And each type of literature needs to be read differently. There is like stories that makes the book of the, uh, like 70% of the whole Bible, but there's also poetry, there's also laws, there's also other things. So we're going to see all those things over the way. Today, I want to share with you some basic principles that you can apply to anything you read in the Bible uh, of how to read the Bible and get the most out of it. First, I want you to uh, open your Bibles in 2 Peter 1 to any 20 to 21. 2 Peter 20, uh, 2 Peter 1 20 to 21. Once you Open, say amen. So, let's read. Knowing first uh, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy never came by the will of men, but the holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So what that uh, text tells you about the nature of the Bible? What's, what's the source of all the prophecies, of all the stories? Like, and prophecy here is on a, it's not uh, on a, or in a strict sense that we think today. When you think prophecy, you think about what? Future. That's our understanding. The word uh, prophecy in biblical terms. There's actually four uh, words on the Old Testament and two words on the New Testament that are translated as prophecy or as prophet. And they uh, talk about different types of uh, characteristics of uh, the ministry of a prophet. The, the ones in Hebrew, uh, the one that shows up most of the time, 70% of the times that you see the word prophet on the Old Testament is the word nevin. That means just a spokesperson. 
somebody that's speaking in behalf of somebody else, a messenger. Uh, so, and the Hebrew, uh, the, the Greek word here used on this verse is the, the Greek equivalent of a messenger. Uh, so, he's talking about any message of the Bible does not come from my mind, does not come from Tony's mind or Nathan's mind. It comes from the mind of God through the Holy Spirit. And he used men and women of faith to bring that for us into life. So, the Bible is a collection of books that were written by God. Let's read another verse that also reinforces that idea and also let us know why God gave us the Bible in the first place. Is 2 Timothy 3, uh, 16 and 17. When you find, say amen. So, 2 Timothy 3, uh, actually let's start with verse 15. And here he's talking, Paul is talking to Timothy and he's saying to him that from childhood you have been, you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Jesus, which is in Jesus. Let, let me stop right there. What's one of the reasons why we should re read Scripture? Because it makes us wise. Lead us to God, make us wise for salvation. But he keep he says more. Verse 16. Our scripture is given by inspiration of God. Or the word inspiration here literally means God breathed. Like us, it's like a, almost a description of what God did with Adam and Eve uh, on um, on Eden, that he breathed on his nostrils. That's the same. Same, same meaning. So, uh, our scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, uh, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So, what are other reasons why God gave us a scripture? To instruct us. Uh, to, to teach doctrine. But above all, I like what verse 17 says. So each man and woman of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So by reading scripture, it can give you what you need to grow up and uh, be each day more and more similar to Jesus. So, that's why that text is here. And uh, let's now dwell, since now we know that the Bible is something that we should study. It's our guidebook that only, not only helps us to be wise and to live better lives, but also to grow to the stature of Christ, like teaches us how to be more Christ-like, teaches us how to live, teaches us how to be able to be ready to do whatever God puts on our hands. But uh, on this verse, that's something that we could not pass by. Is that 
that, that part that says that uh, the Bible is an inspired book. It's God breathed. What that means, what that means that the instruction that God gave us was breathed by him, was, came through inspiration, through special revelations given to prophets uh, that guided them through the Holy Spirit to write what we can read and profit today. What's the implication of that? When you're thinking in approaching the Bible, knowing that the Bible is an inspired book, that the Holy Spirit communicated this to the prophets, what that should make you realize? God wants to speak to you. Yeah, there's more. Let's read 1 Corinthians 2, verses, verse 14. Are you there? Amen. So, what 1 Corinthians 2, verse 14 says is instructive for us. Uh, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to, to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So, like, what that text is saying, that we cannot understand things that come from God with our normal knowledge, with our normal mind. There is a movement today in Christianity to read the Bible as literature. As, as you read a romance, a novel, or whatever, the Bible is not a normal book. I can read the Bible as like a wisdom book or like to get some street-wise knowledge, and I can get something out of that. But I will not get thing, what the Bible really wants us to have. That's that, uh, that uh, wisdom for salvation, that spiritual growth that the Bible comes. If we don't invite the Holy Spirit to be our teacher, to interpret what we are reading for ourselves, because we cannot discern those spiritual things with our, with our carnal minds. Those things, they need to be discerned spiritually. So, we need the Holy Spirit to do that. So, what's the step one as you approach Scripture? Invite the Holy Spirit to come and help us. And uh, because He was the one that gave the message in the first place. And uh, He is the one that can allow us to understand it. Uh, there is a, 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 te a text, I can't remember the reference right now, but it's like on a, it's in first or second Peter. And Peter is saying, like, you know, our brother Paul. He writes some nice things, but some of those things are too complicated that they confuse some of the weak and then they bring all sorts of craziness to the church. That's what the text says. And uh, like when Paul wrote those things, it was easy for me if I not understand and I could get to Paul. Paul, what do you mean here? I could write to him, I could go where he is. But Paul is long gone. 
So when I read the complicated things that he writes every now and then, what should I do? Pray, because the one that gave the knowledge to him is still available to me. So through the Holy Spirit, he can guide me on that process of uh, reading scripture. Uh, that being said, we also have to look to other things, other principles. There's about a dozen of them. I'm going to read just another two of how, of how the Bible tells us to read scripture. Uh, first of, uh, before the next one, and I'm going to say what the next one is. The next one is that the Bible teaches us that the Bible should be their own interpreter. So we don't need to bring, bring like foreign, foreign ideas to the Bible. The Bible has to bring their own ideas and interpret itself. But uh, before we go open a couple of texts that sustain that idea, I want just to share something that you may, have, you may know already. You know that the Bible was written by multiple authors, right? Over a span of over 1,500 years. Starting with Moses and finishing with John. And uh, they all live in different cultures. They all live in different uh, uh, environments. They spoke different languages. And uh, Moses was the first author. When uh, you read the book of Deuteronomy in the book of Numbers, you get the sense that uh, from the beginning, Moses knew he will not be the only author. Because he said many times, like, God is, is going to send other people. God is going to send other people. At the end of his life, he even chose the next one that was uh, Joshua to succeed him as the next big prophet and the next author of the Bible. He wrote the book of uh, Joshua. But he also gave us guidelines of uh, how to interact with all the prophets so we could know that they came from God and that the, what they said had the same weight and validity as the scripture. So with that in mind, I want you to open your Bibles in Deuteronomy chapter 13. Deuteronomy chapter 13. We're going to read the first six verses. Are you there yet? Amen. Okay. So, if, a, if there arises among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and he gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or wonder comes to pass, of which he spoke of you saying, let's go after other gods which uh, you have not known. And let's us serve them. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God is testing you to know whatever you, lo you, love, you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him. And keep his commandments and obey his voice. You shall serve him and hold fast to him. But that prophet or dreamer of dreams 
shall be put to death because he had spoken in order to turn you away from the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of bondage to entice you from the way in which the Lord your God commanded you to walk. So you, uh, you shall put away evil from your midst. And I'm going to stop here. So what that text says, what that, the text says like when new prophets arise, new prophets that eventually would become part of the Bible, what shall do you do if they say something that's contrary to what God already revealed? Don't go there. Even if what they say comes to pass. So, even if he says like, the sky is going to turn blue. I mean, it's already blue, but green. And it comes and turns green. Don't believe it. If his teachings are not in according with the previous revelations of scripture. So, and uh, on verse 4, he emphasizes that, that we should walk by God's commandments, obey his voice, obey what he already revealed. What that implies, that every time you read scripture, you have to check with other scripture to check your own understanding as well. Because it's, the scripture is the only authorized interpreter and judgment of everything. That comes from here. And with that same concept. Uh, is what uh, Peter uh, wrote. As we read uh, moments ago in 1 Peter 1.21. That's why no prophecy is of, of special elucidation. What's elucidation? Help me hear uh, English speakers. What elucidation means. Like when you have a mystery, and you, you, and you solve the mystery, it says that you elucidated the case, or you solved the case, you came up with the answer. Uh, so, e even the interpretation of Scripture needs to come from God. And how we validate if the, our interpretation of Scripture is coming from God? By seeking to see if it harmonizes with other pieces of scripture. And that's precisely what uh, Isaiah uh, 28 verses 10 to 13 says to us. Isaiah 28, 10 to 13. Let's read it. Isaiah 28, 10 to 13. Uh, actually, let's start in verse 9. Who will you teach the knowledge and who will make the understanding of the message? Those just waning from milk? Those just drawn from the breasts? For precept, be upon precept. And precept upon precept. 
line upon line, line upon line. Here a little, there a little. So, uh, what he's saying here? We should not take one verse of the Bible and think we discover the universe. We have to read a little bit here, a little bit here, there. Put out the precepts of the Bible that are relating with the same theme we are studying. One on top of the other to see if they harmonize. Because if they are not matching, chances are our interpretation is a little off. So, eh, just, just for sake of argument, if I find a text on the Bible that says like, God is a tyrant. I had never found such text, but let's assume I find one that says that. But I have another two dozen texts that says that God is love and he's merciful and he's all that. So like, chances are that that one text that I'm focusing on is not really saying what I'm getting. That's why I need to read our scripture and put it side by side so I can get the full picture of uh, what God wants to say. Why? That may even be the case uh, of the, that one text. Like one example that comes to mind is two books on the scripture. That is uh, Esdras, not Esdras, it's... Uh, Amos and it's Amos and Osea. They both lived on the same time. They both prophesied to the same people. They both had one specific vision that was the same. Hosea has more visions on it. But they, on the, the, his first vision is basically the same one that Amos also had. And uh, the interesting thing is like that uh, each one of them, although they had the same vision, they gave different interpretations of it. Uh, or... Uh, Amos, he came like, oh, he focused on God's justice. God is going to bring justice to you. He's going to destroy you. You're going to receive. It's payback time, baby. That was uh, uh, Amos' uh, message. Take his takeaway for for that same vision. Amos, on the other side, he took the same vision and he focused on God's love. Okay, God is going to bring judgment. But his judgment is to save you, is to redeem you. Please love God so he can love you back. He is being harsh, but he's doing that to save you. Both things were true. But we only could see the true picture when we put the two books together. That's why God sent the same vision to both prophets. Because no, God knows that we are limited. So another illustration for that is like, uh, let's suppose this is a building and that's me. I come here. I'm like five feet from the building. Uh, so I cannot say I'm seeing the whole building. I'm just seeing a little bit of the building. In order to see the whole building, I have to go walk around, see all the sides and everything else. 
Uh, each text of the Bible gives you a snapshot of some biblical truth about God, about his nature, or about what he expects from us. But in the same way, I cannot claim to have seen the whole building by just seeing what I was saying on my, on my beginning. Unless I go all around scripture and see everything that scripture is talking about that subject, I cannot really understand what God is want, wants to tell me. So that's why that principle is so important. There's another principle that I want to share with you. Like uh, not only pray before you read scripture, invoke the Holy Spirit. Not only read the scripture, but also try to connect the text you just read with all the texts on scripture that are talking about the same thing. Also, don't read the text by itself. Read its context. We're going to... Uh, as part of the... I send a handout for Carol this morning. She probably showed... I scheduled for her to receive at 11, so she had already... will be on our site that has some of the of the points I'm doing here but there's, there's, there's also this thing here, a few questions you should ask the text that helps you to uh, understand the context, to make sure you don't read the text just by itself, how it relates with the rest of scripture, how it relates with the comes before and after but there's something also that's important uh, because uh, God knows you and God knows me. He created us, right? So, uh, because He created us, He also knows uh, that we need to read Scripture in a certain way. The Bible was written in the way it was written with a purpose of being read out loud. Do you know that like both the Old Testament and the New Testament, they were written with a specific purpose, not to be only read, but to be read aloud to people. Why? The Old Testament, we had no vowels. So you really need to start to vocalize to make sense of what you're reading. The New Testament, they did have vowels, but they wrote all in uh, uppercase, and with no spaces. So only as you read, you can start to make the differentiation where one word starts and the other finishes. So the Bible was made to do out loud. That's why, for example, uh, we read uh, what Paul says in um, Romans. In Romans uh, 10.17 Romans 10.17 What your Bible says? Yeah. So faith comes by hearing. And hearing the word of God. Uh, 
if you look the footnote of that, uh, the first page of this, there's a couple of studies that actually shows why reading text out loud helps you not only to memorize it, but helps you to understand it. Because what the neuroscientists just are discovering over the past couple of decades is like that uh, the same part of the brain that regulates the hearing is the same one that regulates how you parse abstract ideas and how you understand them. So as you read them out loud, you actually make easy in your brain to understand those things. And there's one interesting text that uh, we find on scripture that tells us exactly that. Uh, let's open our Bibles in Psalm 1 and let's read verses 1 and 2. Psalm 1, verses 1 and 2. So, let me read it. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. So, he's talking about the righteous people. And uh, what he says about the righteous people, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. So, he loves the scripture. He likes to read it. And uh, in his law, he meditates day and night. Uh, that word that's translated as meditate shows up several times on scripture. Is the uh, Hebrew word Hagah. Do you know what Hagah really means? Muttering, reading out loud as a way to meditate. So the Bible here is saying, that we should read it uh, if we are righteous men. Meditate, read out loud, or repeat those verses aloud so we can hear it again over and over throughout the day. Another text that uses that same uh, word is a commandment that uh, uh, Moses gives to Joshua and to all of us if we want to live a righteous life. It's in Joshua 1 verse 8. It's a famous verse. It says like, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Uh, and uh, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate. Again, the word haga. It day and night that you may observe according to all that's written. For then you make you your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. So he's saying, never let scripture get out of your mouth. Always be repeating scripture and meditate on it as you say it. Say it aloud. So, and that word repeats again and again. Every time in the Old Testament that you find, uh, at least out that I researched, that you find like that we should meditate in the scripture, that's the word. So it means that you should read aloud as you think on their meaning. And uh, there is even something interesting. Like, uh, you may not know uh, Hebrew, but like uh, there's a few tools out there. One that's very basic that every one of us can use is just to read several versions of Scripture. Like, for example, I have one uh, uh, version at home. It's my travel, travel Bible. It's like a pocket Bible I have. 
It's a uh, New King James. That one is New King James too, but it, this one does not have the same footnotes. The one that I have at home has a lot of footnotes about the uh, alternate ways of reading the verse. And the footnote that has here on verse 2 is like, uh, instead of meditates, or it says like, reading out loud as a way of meditation. So like, if you read different Bibles, if you read different uh, versions, read their footnotes, you can get a little bit of the, that uh, uh, context as well. Another way is another tool that's here on the back side of this. It's called the Net Bible Translation. The translation it's in itself, I don't think it's very good. Like just in a few places, the translation is good. But like what's really good on that translation is the footnotes. And you can have this all online because in every verse, they have like copious footnotes of what this keyword means, what that keyword or the word means. So even though you don't know it, you can get some of those keywords that helps you on that understanding. And uh, so uh, that way you can get some, uh, as you read those things out loud and as you moan on their meanings, you can get a better knowledge. So I want to finish the sermon today sharing uh, the shorter version of this. The shorter version of this is those four steps that are here. That are like something that you can apply using those principles that we saw uh, today to every text you read on the Bible. First, uh, let's see, we do have time. Uh, first, as you read one story, a text of the Bible, read it through a few times. And then you make four questions. The first question is how that story rev reveals God's character. How that story shows, talks about God's love or his personality or his actions, what he's doing towards humanity. Uh, so, focus on his actions, what he's doing, or his inactions, what he's not doing. Uh, so, try to pick up everything you can that's being revealed about God on that story you read, on the text you read. Then, you make a second question. What that story tells me about human nature, about sin, about the human condition? Uh, like, uh, usually most parts of the Bible, they allude to people, they are stories of people. So, what's talking about their flaws of character or things that are inherent to, uh, that are part and parcel of the human condition. So, look those things, list those things. Then the third question, it's uh, what that story tells about uh, the will of God for us, about obedience, about the, his principles of how to live. And to help you to answer the, that third question is usually, not always, but usually, as you contrast what you listed, what the text is telling about God and what he's telling about man or human condition, when you contrast the two, the difference, what is in God and is not in man, is what the text is saying that you show to emulate. So, uh, and then the fourth question, 
comes up about another principle that I will not share today. I'm going to share in a future occasion, but I'm going to just throw it out there. It's like, you should ask. Once you understand what is in need on that text for me, what that text is like a really talking about me, obedience and all that, uh, you should make the, for- the fourth question. That's who can I share this new truth that I just discovered with? Why? Because the Bible says in a couple of times, a few times that like you only grow on your understanding of scripture when you share scripture with other people. So, as you just learned something in your own study, go and share with other people because then God will make that new knowledge crystallize and uh, grow out of that experience. So, I hope uh, uh, the stuff I shared with you today help you some to see the Bible with new eyes and to have a renewed interest in reading the Bible to extract from your readings principles for your life today. Principles that can guide your marriage, principles that can guide your work behavior, your school behavior, or behavior at home. Hope, uh, principles that can guide your relationship with God. And uh, as you learn those things and connect with other things that we learn, that knowledge will grow and grow. And hopefully, we will have opportunity in starting uh, in two Sabbaths to get more of those principles to grow in our understanding of how we read the scripture and how to apply those principles to our life. I hope God blesses you profoundly as you approach scripture. Uh, for those of you that want the handout, I have a few here with me. Uh, you can pick up on the, on the exit. Or uh, if I run out, please go to our website later this afternoon. May God bless you. You have been listening to the broadcast from the Midland Seventh-day Adventist Church at 2420 East Ashman in Midland, Michigan. If you are in the area, we cordially invite you to visit our church Saturday mornings. If you are a distance away, we encourage you to continue visiting our website and weekly podcast at midlandsda.org.